helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. The Republic is in grave danger. We see it all around us, but I wonder sometimes, is it too late? What if what makes us a Republic has already been corrupted, corrupted to the point where maybe we can't recover it? I wonder, did the people in France, Russia, Germany, and China realize what was happening before it was too late? What if the Republic has already fallen, and we just haven't noticed it yet? Hello there, everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study, where we read instead of the Constitution, teach our rights generation be free. I am glad you could join me today. Yeah, it's going to be a bit of a somber topic today. Um... I was uh, doing my my normal research, and I came across an interview uh, between Tucker Carlson and a man by the name of Mike Benz. And uh, to say that I found this un- I found this interview disturbing uh, doesn't even begin to to describe what I felt. So I, I want to spend some time, and I wanted to dive into this a little bit. Uh, maybe bring you along as I looked at it. I didn't. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. It was an hour-long interview. Uh, but there were certain things that were stated that I want to pen- spend some time on. And I want to ask ourselves, have we gone too far? Have, have the the election process become so corrupted, so untrustworthy that we can't find our way back? Hopefully, by the end of the program, we'll find that the answer is No. We're closer than ever to losing the republic, but I don't. Maybe we haven't actually done it yet. And what can we do in the upcoming election and for the rest of our lives to help ensure we never come this close to losing the republic again? So let's start with a little introduction from uh, Mr. Carlson as he introduces the topic and uh, uh, Mr. Benz. But that right, that foundational right that makes this country what it is, that right from which all other rights flow, is going away at high speed in the face of censorship. Now, modern censorship bears no resemblance to previous censorship regimes in previous countries in previous eras. Our censorship is affected on the basis of fights against disinformation and malinformation. And the key thing to know about these is they're everywhere. And of course, they have no reference at all to whether what you're saying is true or not. In other words, you can say something that is factually accurate and consistent with your own conscience. And in previous versions of America, you had an absolute right to say those things. But because someone doesn't like them or because they're inconvenient to whatever plan the people in power have, they can be denounced as disinformation and you could be stripped of your right to express them either in person or online. In fact, expressing these things can become a criminal act and is. And it's important to know, by the way, that this is not just the private sector doing this. These efforts are being directed by the U.S. government, which you pay for and at least theoretically own. It's your government. But they're stripping your rights at very high speed. Most people understand this intuitively, but they don't know how it happens. How does censorship happen? What are the mechanics of it? Mike Benz is, we can say with some confidence, the expert in the world 
on how this happens. Mike Benz had the cyber portfolio at the State Department. He's now executive director of Foundation for Freedom Online. And we're going to have a conversation with him about a very specific kind of censorship. By the way, we can't recommend strongly enough. If you want to know how this happens, Mike Benz, B-E-N-Z, is the man to read. But today we just want to talk about a specific kind of censorship, and that censorship that emanates from the fabled military-industrial complex, from our defense industry and the foreign policy establishment in Washington. That's significant now because we're on the cusp of a global war, and so you can expect censorship to increase dramatically. And so with that, here is Mike Benz, Executive Director of Foundation for Freedom Online. Mike, thanks so much for joining us. As I said, this is, a, this is an hour-long interview, and there is a mountain of information. I'm not even going to try to get through most of it here, but I do want to pick up a few things that I found that just really caught my attention. And uh, the first thing I want to look at is kind of, well, probably where you and I most saw this censorship suddenly flare up. And uh, well, I'll let Mr. Benz describe this. But just to give you a little context, he's talking about the tools, the foreign tools the United States had to deal with censorship and misinformation in foreign contexts. Uh, there began to be a more diplomatic debate about it after Brexit, and then uh, it, was, it became full throttle when Trump was elected. And what little resistance there was, was washed over by the rise and saturation of Russiagate, which basically allowed them to not have to deal with the moral ambiguities of censoring your own people, because if Trump was a Russian asset, you no longer really had a traditional free speech issue. It was a national security issue. So as I understand it, what he's saying is now that Trump is, is, uh, uh, is on the scene and, and looks like he could actually become president, it now became a question not of, well, wait a second, we're talking about censorship. It's no, no, no. Don't worry about the censorship. It's a national security issue. We have to do this to protect ourselves. Um. Wasn't it Benjamin Franklin that said he will give up essential liberty for the promise of a temporary safety deserves neither liberty nor safety? That's kind of the spin, right? It's it's now uh, we can turn this from we have to protect against the Russians to we have to protect our democracy. And that those, democracy, his words, uh, not mine. I know we are a republic, but let's listen to how this goes on. It was only after Russiagate died in, uh, in July 2019, when Robert Mueller basically choked on the stand for three hours and revealed he had absolutely nothing after two and a half years of investigation, that the foreign to domestic switcheroo took place where they took all of this censorship architecture spanning DHS, the FBI, the CIA, the DOD, the DOJ, and then the thousands of government-funded NGO and private sector mercenary firms were all basically transited from a foreign folk, from a foreign predicate, a Russian disinformation predicate, to a democracy predicate by saying that disinformation is not just a threat when it comes from the Russians, it's actually an intrinsic threat to democracy itself. And so by that, they were able to launder the entire democracy promotion regime change toolkit uh, just in time for the 2020 election. Now, again, a little bit of context. I, I believe when he's talking about the the uh, regime change toolkit, the democracy, the democracies are too good. What he's talking about are what America used. We used to call them the the color revolutions, where our foreign intelligence and 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 you know foreign interfacing agencies would use tools to um, 
foment uh, democracy overseas and, and use that for regime change. Now, after Russiagate fell apart, he's saying those got turned against us. The tools that they would use to um, overturn leadership, to change countries, were, were not simply targeted at foreigners. They were targeted at the American people, and they, they used this, this disinformation to change um, to change how they worked on us. That, that they went from worrying about the Russias and the Chinas and, and the Irans and not saying, wait a second, this disinformation is dangerous internally and we have to go after it there. A uncensored, mature ecosystem allowed citizen journalists and independent voices to be able to outcompete legacy news media. This induced a massive crisis both in our military and in our State Department and intelligence services. I'll give you a great example of this. In 2019, at a meeting of the German Marshall Fund, which is you know, an institution that goes back to the U.S. Uh, basically, um, I don't want to say bribe, but the, essentially the soft power, economic soft power projection in Europe as part of the reconstruction of European governments after World War II to be able to essentially pay them uh, with Marshall Fund dollars, and then in return they basically were under our thumb in terms of how they reconstructed uh, but the, the German Marshall Fund held a meeting in 2019. They held a million of these, frankly. But where they, where a four-star general uh, got up on the panel and, and said that, uh, that the, what happens, he posed the question, what happens to the, to the U.S. military? What happens to the national security state when the New York Times is reduced to a medium-sized Facebook page? And he posed this thought experiment as an example of, of we've had these gatekeepers, we've had these bumper cars on democracy in the form of a, of a century-old relationship with legacy media institutions. Now, he goes on to describe some of the history of how these uh, large institutions, the, the radio, television stations, got started, and, and he claims there's, there's government money behind it, but that's not the point I wanted to make. I want you to notice you had a four-star general said we had we had bumper cars on democracy. We had gatekeepers that kept the American people focused on a track that the that the government wanted them to follow. They filtered the information that was that um that was that the government wanted. That was a national security interest. Now you have an independent media called the democratization of of information. That challenges that, where information that that uh, the government used to be able to censor by getting the the mainstream news to censor it, now they no longer can, and that that very concept is is kind of what would made me think. Really, have we been? You know, I don't want to say I, I didn't realize that we were being censored in a certain way, but it's it's the I guess the the flat out way it was it was presented that it's the, what we're seeing is not the creation of censorship we're seeing the exposing of the censorship and the fact that now that the censors have challengers now it's they're reacting it's the uh um the exposing of the of the lie the exposing of this information that has created a 
a visceral reaction that we see today in the growing of censorship. It's really just the censorship complex trying to reinforce, reinstate the power they once had. Just And just pick one among, I know, countless examples of how the national security state lies to the population, censors the truth um, in real life. Yeah, so, you know, we have this State Department outfit called the Global Engagement Center, which was created by a guy named Rick Stengel, who described himself as Obama's propagandist in chief. He was the undersecretary for public affairs, which is essentially the which is the liaison office role between the State Department and the mainstream media. So this is basically the exact nexus where government talking points about war or about diplomacy or statecraft get synchronized with mainstream media. So and he was may, in charge may, of that. may I add something and, to that? As someone I, I know Rick Stengel, mm -hmm. he was at one point a journalist, um, and Rick Stengel has made public arguments against the First Amendment and against free speech. And oh, yeah, he wrote a whole book on job. it. And yes. he published an op-ed in 2019. He wrote a whole book on it. And he, you know, he made the argument that, that we just you know, went, went over here, that essentially uh, the, for, the, the Constitution was not prepared for the Internet, and uh, we need to get rid of the First Amendment uh, accordingly. And you know, he described himself as a free speech absolutist when he was the managing editor of Time magazine. And even when he was in the State Department under Obama, uh, he, he started something called the Global Engagement Center, which was the first government censorship uh, operation within the federal government. But it was foreign facing, so it was okay. So we did have a government censorship operation, but we didn't care because it wasn't targeted at us. The problem is, I'm guessing it's going to change. Now, at the time, they used the, uh, the homegrown ISIS predicate threat for this. And so it was very hard to argue against the idea of the State Department uh, having this formal coordination partnership with every major tech platform uh, in the U.S., because the you know at the time there were these ISIS attacks that were and we were told that ISIS was recruiting on Twitter and Facebook, and so the Global Engagement Center was a, was established essentially to be a State Department um, entanglement with the social media companies to basically put bumper cars on their ability to uh, to platform accounts. And once again, we see our fear being used to create. Uh, platforms and and technologies and rules that get turned against us that are used to infringe on our rights uh, what was that mr franklin said again now, there's another piece of this which as a computer geek for so many years really caught my attention and and one of the things they did is they created a new technology which is, uh, is, it's called natural language processing. It is a artificial intelligence, machine learning uh, ability to create meaning out of words in order to map everything that everyone says on the internet and create this vast topography, topography of how communities are organized online, who the major influences are, what they're talking about, what narratives are emerging or trending, and to be able to create this sort of network graph uh, in order to know who to target and and uh, and how information moves through an ecosystem, natural language processing is is interesting, and I bet most of you deal with it uh, day in and day out. See, if you use Siri or Hey Google or Amazon Alexa, you're dealing with one of the aspects of natural language processing. It starts with this idea of 
um, uh, for, you know, voice to text, which is kind of a tricky thing. But once they have a language, understanding what it is you want, what it is you mean when you say, you know, hey, hey Google, what's the weather? That's natural language processing. And as much as it is used to help um, to help you find out what the weather's going to be like, update your calendar, your shopping list, that was also being used to gather information about you, your preferences, your interests, what things you would 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 move you in one direction or another. Which is why you may notice that when you have your phone around and you're talking to a friend about a specific product, you start seeing ads for that product show up in your screens because guess what? The natural language processing, which many of us leave on all the time, says, oh, I see you're interested in this. Let me use that for commercial purposes. But apparently it was also being used for intelligence purposes. And I'm not sure the term was is actually accurate. I believe it's probably still being used that way. Now, listen, I've still got more of this interview I want to get to, but I have to take a break. They're going to bump me out for commercial. So before I go, you know, one of the things that I found really makes a difference in my life is getting a good night's sleep. Now, there are a lot of products out there that, that claim to help. Some of them are chemical-based. Some of them are hormone-based. They all have impacts on your life. Well, the people at the wellness company have come up with a product called Restful Sleep. It's all natural ingredients designed to calm your mind, reduce your stress. So not only do you get a good night's sleep, but you do so without things like hormones disrupting your system. Now, this is stuff is made in the United States. It's backed by documented research. It's vetted by the chief medical board of the wellness company. And since you're in America, a lot of listeners, you can get 25% off all the products or and or your first month of membership if you use the code out loud. You can find all the details at americaoutloud.shop. But please check out the wellness company. Check out all their great products. Restful Sleep is just one of them. Be sure to go to America Out Loud to find how to get your discounts. Use the code out loud. You get 25% off your products and your first month of membership and let them know that you listen to America Out Loud. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution, the miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase, 
the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. ASEA believes that inside each of us is the potential to feel our very best. Our redox-based products tap into reserves within you to power your personal well-being. Make our breakthrough products an essential step in fulfilling your greatest potential. ASEA, we power potential. For exclusive savings, use code OUTLOUD to save 15% off your first order today. Welcome back, everyday Americans. You're rejoining the Constitution study. Today, I'm asking, has the Republic already fallen? Now, in the last segment, we saw a lot of disturbing information. We should listen to Mike Benz and a lot of disturbing information. But I am seeing some glimmers of hope. So, some concepts that maybe the, the spark of the, uh, the sacred flame of liberty has not gone out. So, now let's listen to Mr. Benz. He starts describing how these technologies are being used to manipulate elections. When Trump won the election in 2016, um, uh, everyone who worked at the State Department uh, was expecting these promotions to the, to the White House National Security Council under Hillary Clinton, who I should remind uh, viewers, you know, was also Secretary of State under Obama, actually ran the State Department. But these folks were all expecting promotions on November 18th, November 8th, 2016, and were unceremoniously uh, put out of jobs by a guy who was a 20 to 1 underdog according to the New York Times, the day of the election. And when, when that happened, these State Department folks took their special set of skills, coercing governments uh, to, to, uh, for sanctions. And the State Department led the, uh, the effort to sanction Russia over the Crimea annexation in 2014. These State Department diplomats did an international roadshow to pressure European governments to pass censorship laws to censor the right-wing populist groups in Europe and as a boomerang impact to censor populist groups who were affiliated in the U.S. So here we have, I guess you could call it part of the deep state, the administrative state. According to Mr. Benz, you had State Department officials that were looking for a sweet promotion. When their candidate did not win, they turned the tools that had been designed to work against foreign actors and, and deal with foreign censorship. They turned it against us. Okay, so let's skip ahead a little bit, and we'll talk a bit more about the uh, about the election. Actually, on the heels of a CIA memo on January 6, 2017, and a same-day DHS executive order on January 6, 2017, arguing that Russia had interfered in the 2016 election, and a DHS mandate saying that elections are now critical infrastructure, you had this new power within DHS to say that cybersecurity attacks on elections are now our purview. And then they did two cute things. One, they, they, said, they said mis, dis, and malinformation online are a form of cybersecurity attack. They are a cyber attack because they are happening online. And they said, well, actually, Russian disinformation is, we're, we're actually protecting democracy in elections. We don't need a Russian predicate after Russiagate died. So just like that, 
you had this cybersecurity agency be able to legally make the argument that your tweets about mail-in ballots, if you undermine public faith and confidence in them as a legitimate form of voting, was now, you were now conducting a cyber attack on U.S. critical infrastructure by, by articulating misinformation on Twitter. And just like that, now what they did then is they Wait, then so in other words, a bunch of... Com- see it, complaining about election fraud is the same as taking down our power grid. Yes, you could literally be on your toilet seat at 9.30 on, on a Thursday night and tweet, I think that mail-in ballots are illegitimate. And you were essentially then caught up in the crosshairs of the Department of Homeland Security classifying you as conducting a cyber attack on U.S. critical infrastructure because you were doing misinformation online in the cyber realm and misinformation is a cyber attack on democracy when it undermines public faith and confidence in in our democratic elections and our democratic institutions. Did, did you hear that? Because what I heard cuts me to the quick. It, it, it literally hits me to the core because what the saying is questioning the, the, the safety, security of our elections, even pointing out truth, the, the fact that um, twice as many mail-in ballots are discarded as in-person ballots is now considered an attack against the government infrastructure. Well, what happens when what you're doing is not, again, not simply attacking the infrastructure, but pointing out flaws in the infrastructure? It makes you think back to, again, 2020, when I uh, uh, was writing articles about how we actually elect the president of the United States, and suddenly I get kicked off of Facebook. Makes me wonder. It, you know, have we, we've, it's turned from simply a question of protecting us from false information overseas to not even protecting us from false information, but protecting the government from information they don't like. Now, Mr. Benz is going into some more detail. He's got four entities, four companies, he says, were involved in this. And I'm only going to clip out a piece of this because there's a lot to it. But this one, this really got my attention. The Minerva Initiative is the Psychological Warfare Research Center of the Pentagon. They, they, this group was, was doing social media spying and narrative mapping for the Pentagon until the 2016 election happened, and then were, were repurposed into a partnership with the Department of Homeland Security to censor you know, 22 million Trump tweets, uh, pro-Trump tweets about mail-in ballots. So yeah, apparently your tax dollars were used to suppress Trump tweets or, or pro-Trump tweets, tweets that were talking about the 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 dangers, the concerns about mail-in ballots. It is exactly what Ben Rhodes described it during the Obama era as the blob, the foreign policy establishment. It's either the, it's the it's the Defense Department, the State Department, or the CIA every single time. And of course, this was because they were they were threatened by Trump's foreign policy. And so, while while much of the censorship looks like it's coming domestically, it's actually by our foreign-facing Department of Dirty Tricks color revolution blob, who are professional government topplers, who were then basically descended on the 2020 election. So again, if Mr. Benz is correct, because he's he's making a lot of statements and he says he's got some evidence, I'm going to come up to that a little bit later, but there's a lot there that it sounds like the very government entities that were created to topple foreign governments are being used to control, manipulate, and topple our own. 
Now, they did this. They explicitly said, the head of this election integrity partnership, on tape, and, and, and my foundation clipped them, and it's been played before Congress, and it's in you know, a part of the Missouri v. Biden lawsuit now. But they explicitly said on tape that they were set up to do what the government was banned from doing itself. And then they articulated a multi-step framework in order to coerce all the tech companies to take censorship actions. They said on tape the tech companies would not have done but for their pressure, which involved using threats of government force because they were the deputized arm of the government. They had a formal partnership with the DHS. They were able to use DHS's proprietary domestic disinformation switchboard to immediately talk to top brass at all the tech companies for takedowns. And they bragged on tape about how they got the tech companies to all systematically adopt a new terms of service speech violation ban called delegitimization. So apparently he has a tape where people admitted that they bullied, they coerced social media companies into doing what the federal government knew it was not legally allowed to do, and that was censor information, suppress information. Um, that's quite a statement. That's enough to make me wonder if the republic has already fallen. Because if the government has found a way to suppress information, to suppress your freedom of speech, and they got away with it, and they continue to get away with it, then how do you trust an election? How do you trust the outcome of any election? And if the, the simple idea of questioning the validity the accuracy, the security of the way they hold their elections is enough to get you labeled as someone attacking the, the core infrastructure of the United States. Pointing out their crimes is now a criminal act. What does that say about the United States? That's what you expect from Soviet Russia. You expect that from communist China. You don't expect it from the land of the free, which makes you wonder about the republic which meant any tweet, any YouTube video, any Facebook post, any TikTok video, any Discord post, any Twitch video, anything on the internet that, that uh, undermined public faith and confidence in the use of mail-in ballots or early voting drop boxes or, or, or ballot tabulation issues on election day was a prima facie uh, terms of service violation policy under this new delegitimization policy that they only adopted because of pass-through government pressure from the Election Integrity Partnership, which they bragged about on tape, including the grid that they used to do this, and, and simultaneously invoking threats of government breaking them up or, or government stopping doing favors for the tech companies unless they did this, as well as inducing crisis PR by working with their media allies. Ladies and gentlemen, that's extortion. That, that, what, what Mr. Benz describes is extortion by our federal government against social media platforms. And again, what are they trying to do? It's they say anything that question that brings into was it questions public trust in the process, not the fact that the process has problems. The very fact that it has problems bringing that up, which decreases public faith in it, is the criminal act now, is the act that gets you shut up. Well, if you can't question our government, then we're no longer a republic. If the election can be manipulated by government actors, we are no longer a republic. Listen to this little tidbit, though. So, and they said the government, DHS, could not do that themselves. And so they set up this, this basically 
constellation of State Department, Pentagon, uh, and, and IC networks to run this pre-censorship campaign, which by their own math had 22 million tweets on Twitter alone. And mind you, they did this on 15 platforms. So this is hundreds of millions of posts, which were all scanned and banned or throttled so that they could not be amplified or they exist in a sort of limited state purgatory or had these frictions affixed to them in the form of fact-checking labels where you couldn't actually click through the thing or you had to, it was, it was an inconvenience to be able to share it. Now, I want you to think about the poll that found that, what was it, 17% of admitted Biden voters said that if they had heard the suppressed information about the Hunter Biden laptop, if they were aware of that, they would have voted differently. See how this voter suppress this information suppression leads to voter manipulation. Now, again, this is we had factual information. The laptop was Hunter Biden's. It contained some unsavory information. There are still things we're learning about that. Those were factually true. They were reported by the New York Post, and they were censored. Was it because the uh, this cabal inside the, the federal government didn't want that information out because it brought out, in this case, not questions about mail-in voting, but about the, the, the history of one of the candidates? And as a perfect example of how this is used to manipulate the election, listen to this. Now, they did this seven months before the election. Because at the time, they, they were worried about the perceived legitimacy of a Biden victory in the case of a so-called red mirage blue shift event. They, they knew the only way that Biden would be able to was would win mathematically uh, was through the disproportionate Democrat use of mail-in ballots. They knew there would be a crisis because it was going to look extremely weird if, if Trump looked like he won by seven states. In November, you know, uh, and then three days later, it comes out, actually, the election switch. I mean, that... That would put the election crisis of the Bush-Gore election uh, on a level of steroids that the national security state said, well, the, the, the public will not be prepared for. So what we need to do is we need to, in advance, we need to pre-censor the ability to even question the legitimacy. This took out. Wait, wait, may, may I ask you to pause right there? Key influences, so, so what you're mm -hmm. saying is, what you're suggesting is they knew the outcome of the election seven months before it was held. It looks very bad. Certainly, what they did <laughs> yes, is it. yes, Mike. It does look very bad. <laughs> I would say that's got to be the understatement of the century. The you know when you when you think about countries where the election results are known beforehand, again, you're thinking of the Soviet Union, Mao's China. Uh, uh, you know, you're, you're talking about Iran or the these communist countries that have, resemble nothing like the land of the free. And Mr. Benz is saying that was done in the United States in the year 2020, that a group of government officials knew the outcome. They wanted an outcome. They knew the outcome seven months before people walked into a ballot box. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not an election. That's an appointment. And I don't know about you, but um, that is bad. That is very, very bad. And it makes me wonder, because are we seeing evidence that they're doing it again for 2024? And really, why should we not, why should we not expect them to? They won, quote unquote, 2020. 
Nobody was held accountable. All the evidence of fraud has led to little, if any, repercussions, certainly not the upper echelons, not in government. The, uh, the, the corruption we saw in Georgia, the corruption they're seeing in Wisconsin, they saw in the 2020 elections, the fact that we had um, multiple states submit fraudulent uh, 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 slates of electors because they were not uh, chosen a man determined by the legislature of the state, and nobody has paid a price. Why would they stop? It worked so well for them. It's like the, the kid that gets, you know, he gets caught shoplifting and he gets let's go. So he shoplifts again, he gets caught, and he gets let go. And soon, why should he stop? He never pays a price. I, I have to tell you, this is an amazing interview. It's a heartbreaking interview. I, I, I have to walk away to keep my blood pressure from going out of control. But I also have to take a break. Um, and we'll look at a couple of things afterwards. But I, I'm going to put the link to the interview on the show page so you can listen to the entire thing yourself. Meanwhile, please... Head to AmericaOutloud.com every day for news and information. Not just this stuff, great news and information from multiple places. But as I keep reminding you, knowledge is not power until you put it into action. So don't just read the stories and articles. Don't just listen to the podcasts and watch the videos. Do something with them. Share them. Share them with friends. Share them with family. Share them online. It's not how many places you share it, although you share it as far as you can. It's not the numbers. It's literally the act of sharing this information that helps all of us secure the blessings of liberty. Well, the year 2024 must be the year of the Patriot and AmericaOutloud.news will equip you with all the information you need to give new meaning to the words Patriot Act. For our actions always ultimately define our words. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. You've all heard Dr. McCullough and others share over and over the value of keeping your sinuses cleansed. It's a smart move all year, but even more so when we're cooped up inside. It's not really open for debate any longer. Those that live smart and live well pay attention to nasal and oral hygiene. Cofix RX has just the tools for the job with our nasal and throat cleanse. Click the Cofix RX banner on AmericaOutloud.shop to get 20% off your entire order. That's right, AmericaOutloud.shop. Use coupon code OUTLOUD. That's coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off your entire order. Use CoFixRx because it works. The Natural Colon Cleanse. It's the ultimate digestive tune-up with Oxy Powder. It's crafted to alleviate the discomfort of gas, bloating, and occasional constipation. There's a reason why Oxy Powder is our number one seller. It worked. Go to AmericaOutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Naturally. 
Welcome back, Everyday Americans, to rejoin the Constitution Study. I know, man, those first two segments, they were a beating. I mean, the, the, the idea, to, to be exposed to the idea that the government was actually actively censoring information in order to get a certain political party candidate elected should disgust all of us. It shouldn't surprise us, but it should disgust us. Well, I said as a, at, the, at the beginning of the second segment, I was talking, there are glimmers of hope. There are sparks from that sacred fire of liberty that may still be glowing, even though they are under attack. I found an article on Racket News, which listed some of the examples of uh, reporters and others who have been pointing out the, um, the malfeasance, that have been pointing out what's been going on and have been uh, pilloried, ridiculed, investigated, for doing so, uh, let me. I'll list some of them for you. Um, yeah, former CIA officer Ray McGovern, who was called fringe and conspiracy monger by Max Boot, who, by the way, was one of the of the uh, pundits who completely botched the Steele dossier and the the Iraq uh, weapons of mass destruction stories. You have a uh, former NYPD officer and Secret Service agent uh, Dan Bongino. Who's been called also? He's been called a misinformation super spreader by the New York Times after pointing out things that actually are true. Then there was a founder of the Intercept, Glenn Greenwald, who denounced he was denounced as a, a pathological bigot for dissenting from the Trump Russia themes we heard through a large part of the Trump administration. He was actually forced out of his own publication. Why? Well, he wrote critically of. Hunter Biden and Burisma, and there are countless more. My, my point isn't the number of people being attacked. My point is there are people that are standing up and pointing at the truth. Now, why do I, I find that a glimmer of hope? See, if everything was being manipulated, if there was no other information, then I don't know there would be any hope. You know, a lot of people look at the uh, at the internet and the spread of information as a a detriment to society. I think this idea that so many people can get their opinions published without having to go through the gatekeepers is a good thing. Now, yes, it does require more work on our point, on our part, to to filter through what is real and what is fake. But the fact is, we no longer have those gatekeepers. And apparently those gatekeepers are scared because now they're doing everything they can to suppress information they don't like. Now, I, I've, I keep saying it over and over again. Knowledge is not power until it's put into action. Knowledge about what's going on doesn't help anything. When you share that knowledge, when you put that knowledge into action, that's when we start seeing a difference. That's when changes are made, changes are seen. So my glimmer of hope is there are places where you can get this information. I did a, a, uh, an episode before where I called Trust But Verify. I'm not saying you should trust these people automatically. I'm, saying you I'm still saying you should verify what they're saying is true. But you know what? Isn't it nice to know that there are places that you can at least find these other points of view where you can then give you they give you data that you can verify and and validate for yourself so that you're you're secure in the accuracy of it 
So when someone comes up and tells you that, uh, I, I had this the other day, right? Somebody come up and say that, um, well, he was he called Trump all sorts of names. That's fine. That's his opinion. But he kept stating that uh, that uh, Trump committed insurrection. I said, where's your evidence? He said, well, it's my opinion. I said, that's fine, but we don't convict people on opinion. You have to have evidence. But he kept going back to his opinion. Uh, to me, he's a fool. Or as Bonhoeffer used to put it, that's stupidity in action. Unwilling to look at contrary information. The point is, we can share this information. You can, you can lead a politico to, to the truth. You just can't make him read it. But those you do, those you can. It, it, it's, the, uh, it's the parable of the sower, right? You sow your seed. You recognize that some of it is going to fall on the road and, and, and get trampled. Some's going to fall among weeds. Some's not going to have enough soil. But some will. Some will. That's why I do this. That's why I broadcast this program. I know not everyone's going to listen to what I have to say. I know a lot of people are going to poo-poo me. I know a lot of people, even if they agree with me, are not going to do anything. But some of you will. It's why I created the Patriots program, looking for people who are willing to do. Not do everything. Do something. Because, ladies and gentlemen, the republic's in trouble. And yes, it, 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 it's very serious trouble. Let me take another uh, example. Uh, how many of you have heard about the... Um, the Fraud case against Donald Trump that involved no fraud. Uh, the the New York Supreme Court Justice Arthur Engoron issued an opinion ordering Donald Trump and his organization and many of his investors to pay $355 million in damages to banks that were not damaged. Let me say that again. He's been ordered to pay $355 million in damages to businesses, to banks that were not damaged. Now, they say that Trump uh, over, he said the, his property was worth more than it actually was when he was looking for a loan. Now, first of all, I question some of their opinions because one of them was that uh, they didn't believe Mar-a-Lago was worth $8 million when uh, smaller properties nearby were selling for three times as much. So I have to question that. But remember, what, these were loan statements. These were loan requests. And the banks did their own due diligence. And they looked at the data and they looked at the facts and they said, no, we're going to make this loan. And Trump paid off the loan. Trump and, and the, the Trump companies paid off the loan. So there were no damages to those banks. It's not like he claimed that he was worth $100 billion and he didn't have two nickels to rub together. He was able to pay off the loans. The banks were not hurt. But the court still says that he owes $355 million in damages. Damages to who? I'm curious. Damages to who? And of course, there's going to be interest and fines, and you know the state of New York will get its couple of pounds of flesh out of that as well. 
But think about it. If a man can be found guilty of fraud where no fraud existed, where nobody, where he can be ordered to pay damages, where no damages were incurred, that's not justice. Remember the preamble of the Constitution. They wanted to create a more perfect union to establish justice. How is that justice? Now listen, I'm not a fan of Trump. I'm not a fan of either political party. I think Trump is boorish. I think he's a loudmouth. I think he's he's self-absorbed. I think I like I liked about half of his policies while he was president. I thought they were constitutional and supported them. Only about half. But if he can be targeted under what I would say are credible accusations of political targeting in an attempt to prevent him from being able to run for president. Isn't that simply more election interference? And now we have the Supreme Court of New York, in, in addition to uh, the New York State Department of Justice, interfering with a presidential election, what apparently is for political purposes. I say apparently because, well, we haven't found the smoking guns on those yet. At least I'm not aware of them. But when you're telling me that you can order someone to pay damages when no damages were, were incurred, when damage occurred. And again, people I've been, been talking to believe that this will get, um, this will get appealed and uh, maybe it'll survive the New York State Supreme uh, Court of Appeals, but they think, it'll, they think it'll eventually be appealed to um, the federal courts and they don't think it'll survive at, at the Supreme Court level. But it's going to be years. It'll maybe a decade or more that uh, Trump is going to have to have this money set aside, and the Trump organization set aside in escrow should he lose. Now, here's another twist for you. So, do you remember the uh, informant that claimed that uh, uh, Burisma bribed uh, Joe and Hunter Biden with $5 million each? Uh, he's just been arrested and indicted. Now, here's the thing. I, I take. I, I want to take the what we're what going on here with a grain of salt. Because on the one hand, it's not inconceivable that a whistleblower lied. It is not inconceivable. In fact, that's exactly what uh, uh, the, the the DOJ claims is that uh, the story about the bribery was a fabrication uh, was a fabrication, an amalgam of otherwise unremarkable business meetings and contacts that had actually occurred, but uh, at a later date than he claimed, and for the purposes of pitching Burisma as a defendant's uh, services and products, not for discussing bribes to Joe Biden when he was in office. Is that possible? Yes. I want to see the evidence. Is it possible? that the Biden DOJ is simply going after another political adversary. Again, yes, it is certainly not unheard of for the Biden DOJ to target his political opponents. Everything from pro-life activists to uh, people who um, question the legitimacy of his election and demonstrated, not those that rioted on on. January 6, 2020, those who merely demonstrated, those who merely were in the area during that, who flew into D.C. during that time. Is it possible for the DOJ to be, um, to be targeting another political opponent? Absolutely. 
I say, which one would I lean to? This one, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't really, I can't really say that I'm leaning one way or the other on this one simply because I haven't seen the evidence that uh, this Mr. Zlashevsky, I think that's how it's pronounced, uh, or, you know, that, um, or the whistleblower, I should say, um, Mr. Smirnov. I haven't seen his evidence. I haven't seen people quote it, show it. So I can't say I'm leaning truly one way or the other. But it does bring into question, is the Republic, has the Republic already fallen? If you can be arrested for a, 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 a politically opposing the current power structure, if they can simply come up and make up crimes in order to get you out of the way, well, then that's not a republic. Certainly not the rule of law. And certainly that brings in a lot of questions the way our country is being run. Now, back to the glimmers of hope. See, the glimmer of hope is a little bit, again, this information is being exposed. I am waiting to hear what, uh, what evidence Smirnov has. I'm waiting to see what evidence the Department of Justice has. Um, so far, I haven't seen any of them on either side. But the other glimmer of hope is, and this is one that stays, the United States is like a ship. It's heads a direction, and it's slow to change course. But it can change course. See, I think part of the problem, part of, of what's happening is people are getting so discouraged, they're giving up. And they're going to let evil happen. I, I know, I believe it was attributed to Bonhoeffer that said, the only thing it takes for evil to flourish is for good men to do nothing. I see it in people's eyes. I see it in more and more people's eyes. I see it in their attitudes and their comments that they're closer and closer to giving up. I understand. The beautiful thing about the United States is all power is not vested in Washington, D.C. We don't have to fix Washington, D.C. You need to fix your town, your city, your county, your state. In that order. Fix what is local. You're worried about the election? What are you doing to secure the election in your county? Every election in your state starts at the county level. Are you are you working with the election board? Are you a poll monitor? Are you an observer? Are you are you there to make sure that everything is done properly, justly, following the law? Or are you simply sitting back and complaining? Knowledge is not power until it's put into action. I created the Constitution Study Patriots program for people to take action. There's an education arm where we can help educate people. There's a, a communication arm where we can share information, even with the censorship. There's an action arm, the Patriots, people who are willing to stand up and help themselves and help others. That only works if people get involved. You can find out more at constitutionstudy.com slash patriots. If you're considering it, if you're at all interested, if you just want to check things out, simply go to, you'll simply click on the button for the boot camp. The boot camp is free. It, you'll get a class where you'll learn something. I'll give you some tools you can use. 
because I had this idea for a meme. I call it the you know a a a politician's worst nightmare, a, a bureaucrat's worst nightmare, is an American citizen that knows their rights and knows how to defend and assert them. I want to make, I want to create, I want to help develop a team of nightmares for those like Mr. Benz was talking about. Those who would take over this country, those who would steal your rights and your liberties. We do that by creating people who are not only know what their rights are, but are prepared to defend and assert them. And if that's something you're interested in, well, sure, check out the Patriots program, but also come back here for the Constitution Study every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio Network. If you can't listen then, all the episodes go to podcasts generally a day or two after they're heard on talk radio. Listen in your favorite podcast app, but do me a favor, subscribe to the show. Leave, leave ratings for the episodes. It helps other people find the Constitution Study as well. Find all the links you need at the homepage at americaoutloud.news. But again, share them. Share these tools. Share this information. And help us share the blessings of liberty.